Happy holidays from Milk Handmade. Hi, I'm Julie. I'm a resident of West Andersonville, and I love shopping in Andersonville over the holidays because every store is so festive. Um, the shop owners are all so friendly, and ultimately because it's local shopping. Happy holidays from Andersonville. Happy holidays to everyone in Andersonville from Fast Signs in Lincolnwood. Hi, my name is Brandon Gibbs from Whole Body Kinetics, wishing everybody happy holidays. Happy holidays from Urban Pooch. We hope this holiday makes you smile and makes your tail wag. Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. I'm Sarah. Today we are joined by Lee and Miguel Cano, owners of The Coffee Studio, located at 5628 North Clark. The Coffee Studio is a modern, independent espresso bar focused on expertly crafting delicious drinks, and their mission is to create authentic, warm, comfortable experiences that make high-quality coffees and teas more approachable and accessible for everyone. Welcome, Lee and Miguel. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you both today? Great. Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having us. So we love to start by you telling us a little bit about yourselves and your background and maybe how you landed as entrepreneurs. Okay, I'll, I'll start. Um, Very open-ended question. You can go <laughs> any direction with it. Um, well, I think I would start with maybe how we landed in Chicago together. Miguel is from Chicago and uh, we met in graduate school here at the Institute of Design and uh, hit it off. And uh, from there, we started our life together. We both have a background in design, and uh, we started off with a design business together, but we were interested in exploring starting a business that was bigger than ourselves, where we could focus on uh, creating great customer experiences. Um, I'll go a little further back, since I'm from Chicago. This might be interesting. Uh, I uh, grew up in Albany Park, and uh, my dad had a... uh, an auto parts store kind of in the neighborhood, um, which I and my sisters worked at. So that was kind of my first exposure to kind of being an entrepreneur. And uh, I went to uh, high school at Lane Tech, studied architecture, went to UIC, studied engineering. And then after I started working as a uh, a mechanical engineer, I discovered um, industrial design and decided to go back to school. And I went to graduate school in Chicago too at IIT, and that's where we met Lee. Yeah, and the rest, as she said, um, is history from there. So as you said, you both have a background in design. How did you become interested in coffee? Have you both always been coffee drinkers? Well, we we kind of came to coffee kind of like in a roundabout way. So um, when Lee uh, had mentioned that uh, we were looking for or, or, or looking to create a business that could be bigger than ourselves, um, what that really means is maybe something that's not focused on kind of a design consultancy model, which is kind of the direction we were headed. And um, so we were brainstorming various ways uh, or various kind of categories and food kept, kept on kind of emerging as a category. Um, so much so, I don't know if you want to talk about the chocolate experiment at all, but this is one yes. of our first kind of ideas. <laughs> sure. So we've always been kind of foodies and interested in food. Um and so way back when, uh, we actually had a, an idea to create um, a 
a chocolate store that was focused on the experience of people creating their own custom bars, which I actually think might exist nowadays, but 20 years ago, I think was pretty innovative. Um, and we had gone so far as to buy the URL, the chocolate experiment, and I was taking <laughs> classes at the French pastry school. Um, and that was going really well, but at the same time, we just happened to be exploring and discovering and exploring great coffee in Chicago. And um, we started going down to Intelligentsia and learning more about high-quality coffees, which kind of opened up a whole new world to us. And, uh, and so I think one day we kind of stopped and said, hey, wait a minute, maybe we could do this better than what we were seeing. Um, and that sort of started us on the path of creating what would become the coffee studio. And for me, I want to say it was uh, kind of the toys, the coffee making toys, kind of a big deal. Um, the and like, you know, if you focused on things like the pressure and temperature, you can really control and make some amazing flavors come come about and uh, kind of um, and it's actually, you know, specialty coffee is, you know, pricier than commodity coffee for sure. But you can have a very kind of just high quality gourmet experience um, at, uh, at a price that's pretty affordable. You know, when you comparatively, if you're like thinking about like what, what, would, what it would cost for that kind of experience, you know, we have this kind of metric of like a sushi dinner experience or whatever. Um, whereas uh, you, if you do your coffee right, you know, in your morning, you can create like a really high quality gourmet coffee experience for like a few bucks, you know. So if I were to make a correlation to wine, um, you know, just like we were discovering about coffee, we'd always kind of grown up as coffee as a flavor, like a flavor of ice cream is coffee. And it was at that time period where we were learning about the different kinds of flavors of coffee and that whole world opened up to us. I think any subject, if you start to dive in deep, you start to learn, oh, I've only just scratched the subject and this is a really wide area of knowledge that I could explore. Um, so just like with wine, you might start off just you know knowing, I kind of like this kind of wine or that kind of wine, but the more you learn, the more you learn that you don't know. And we were really excited about this, this topic where we could really engage. And I think like, Miguel said, you can, you know, you can get a really great experience with not a lot of dollars, whereas sometimes for the best wines or the best, you know, scotch, those are very expensive um, experiences. And so we thought we could bring a very pleasurable experience to people's daily lives in an affordable and approachable way. I have two follow-up questions. First, do you still own that chocolate website? (laughs) (laughs) I I think we own... uh, more URLs than I care to admit. Okay, (laughs) that's fair. Well, more importantly, um, I'm curious, and how have you seen coffee evolve since you started these conversations? I'm sure the conversation started before you opened the coffee studio, but also since you've opened the coffee studio, how have you seen kind of the the landscape of coffee locally, but also globally change? It certainly changed a lot um, in the time period since we started on our coffee journey. Um, at the time, we really wanted to learn as much as we could about specialty and high-quality coffees. Um, so we traveled to Seattle, we traveled to Portland, um, and went to the very best cafes. We went to trade shows, we were on early message boards, we read every book we could find, um, and we really immersed ourselves in the culture of what is sometimes known as third-wave coffee or high-quality specialty coffee. Um, and At the time in Chicago, there were really only a few shops doing high-quality coffee. And 
we wanted to bring to Chicago um, a version of high quality coffee, but that was more approachable. Sometimes we found that with really high quality coffee shops, they sometimes come with a less than friendly atmosphere. And we were very conscious of that. And, and we feel that just because you want to have a high quality product doesn't mean that you need to um, act snooty about it or sort of uh, better than thou about it. And we wanted to be not dogmatic. So we, we've offered um, a number of different kinds of drinks, but we've always focused on making sure that you can get the best potential out of the coffee beans that ends up in the cup. There's a, a couple of things I wanted to add to about how the landscape has changed. So like, you know, I think 11 years ago in Andersonville, there was, um, there was that shop where Hamburger Mary's was, I always forget the name of it. I think it was called Cafe Boost. Cafe Boost. Yeah. So that was, um, I would put it kind of more on the kind of like the bohemian kind of environment, you know, the kind of the, the old couches and, you know, just kind of put together the high counters. I don't know if you remember what the, what shops looked like back then. And you can go to any of the large roasters today and you look at those first shops back then and they all kind of had this kind of, this kind of aesthetic, um, even just around the country. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there was the chain experience which is kind of, um, which serves its purpose. And I mean, it's done a lot to help um, people's awareness of coffee options, right? So I don't dismiss that at all. But the environments kind of felt a little, I would say kind of like Disneyfied or like, you know, trying mm -hmm. to kind of manufacture comfort. And so like for us, neither one of those experiences um, really kind of fit what we thought it could be. There was kind of a gap there in the marketplace. And so... Um, in addition to like, you know, in the specialty coffee world, there was the kind of, you know, the holier than thou kind of attitude that one would run into. Um, so we kind of like, if you can draw a Venn diagram, we wanted to be at the intersection or we wanted to fill that gap, but also kind of add the customer service piece to it. And um, I think one of the things that we've been successful at doing is um, filling that gap with kind of the, in an authentic way. So we have a background in design and so we create we just rethought the entire coffee environment, you know, the low slung counters, you know, the, uh, the, our espresso machine is on a stage, you know, and we, we kind of do things to invite conversations between the baristas and the customers and like, um, all in this kind of, um, environment that was speaking to this kind of, uh, warm, modern aesthetic that we were really drawn to, you know, it's, it's the house that we wanted to make, but couldn't afford to make. Um, and so, you know, we, we bought a little piece of Dwell Magazine into our lives by creating this place. So you opened the coffee studio 11 years ago. Why did you choose Andersonville as the location of your store? We are Andersonville residents through and through. I think we've lived here now for 14 or 15 years, and uh, we love this neighborhood. In fact, when we started the uh, looking for locations for the coffee studio, we weren't sure that we would be able to get enough foot traffic to make a viable business. And so we actually were looking in all kinds of other neighborhoods. Um, even though we love Andersonville, we were looking in the South Loop and um, West Loop and even Wicker Park. Um, and we just kept coming back to Andersonville. You know, we really love this neighborhood. We love how walkable it is, how it feels like a small town. It's a community. And we really wanted to be here. And so we sort of convinced ourselves that we could do it here. And when the space 
was available. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers, but where the coffee studio is now was a, an abandoned laundromat before. Um, and the area up at the sort of more northern end of Andersonville was quite different then. Um, but we loved the corner and we loved the neighborhood. And we convinced ourselves that um, that if we built it, people would come. And we were lucky enough that uh, when we did open, there were already people sort of waiting and, and ready for us. I think I remember um, back in those days to, and, and trying to convince myself um, I would go jogging around the area early in the morning and just seeing how many cars drive by on Clark and then but also kind of appreciating the vertical density that exists in the neighborhood. I think that's something that, um, you know, say if you if you go out towards Bowmanville, you'll get a lot of kind of single family homes. But there's something about Andersonville has a really nice mix of three flats, three flats, then you've got the big home, you know, and then more three flats and apartment buildings and condos and homes. But like there's that mix. There's like, there's a lot of people here. And uh, I think, and people who would appreciate what we had to offer. When we opened, there was, I think, a pent up demand for, for high quality coffee in the neighborhood that um, has certainly changed over time. I think overall in Chicago, there's clearly many more coffee shops now than there were 10, 12 years ago when we were um, beginning the coffee studio journey. And it's been interesting for us to see that change over time. People were were ready for it. There was certainly a market for it, but just the awareness of specialty coffee in general has really grown over that time. The the fact that we were sort of at the forefront of that in Chicago um, was pointed out to us by a strange award that we won, I think, at the beginning of 2000 and... 2008. 2008, when we won a Time Out Chicago Eat Out Award. And the award that they gave us was proof that evolution exists, <laughs> which was a sign that we were trying to do something different. We were trying to make really great coffee available to people in a way that was very accessible and comfortable. And we were doing it in an environment that felt well-designed, well-executed, and sort of professional in a way that, that did effectively bridge the gap that Miguel referenced before, which is we didn't want to be sort of a bohemian uh, open mic night coffee shop. We wanted to really focus on the quality of the drinks, and we certainly didn't want to be a chain coffee shop that was um, sort of consistent, but maybe sort of consistently mediocre. We wanted to focus on, on the drink quality. Since then, 10, 12 years ago, the market in Chicago has obviously changed a lot. And there's more and more independent coffee shops, but now, of course, we also have more and more um, chain coffee shops coming in. It's just that nowadays they look different than they did 10 or 12 years ago. So back then, the chains were Starbucks, maybe uh, Caribou Coffee, those kinds of chains. And nowadays, they're chains like La Colombe and Collectivo Coffee um, that we see coming into the neighborhood. And so... It's obviously a lot more saturated now than it was when we opened. Um, luckily, we still have customers that value what we bring to the table. And we have the great people in Andersonville who want to keep local, independent, unique stores. And, you know, we're, we're glad to be a part of that kind of neighborhood. Well, that's a great segue to on your website, you state that the coffee studio is an old school mom and pop coffee shop. 
if old school means independent, craft-focused, design-infused, and modern. So can you speak to that a little <laughs> bit more and what it means to support local businesses in Andersonville and also in Chicago? Well, we live in this neighborhood. We obviously spend money in this neighborhood by living here, but we also actively focus on trying to keep money in the community. We hire local and we try and find employees that live close by and really appreciate what Andersonville has to offer. Um, we also spend a lot of money in the neighborhood. You know, we're, we're constantly buying gift cards for employees for their anniversaries at the coffee studio and for their birthdays um, and trying to get our employees to engage more with the other businesses in the neighborhood. Um, we are, you know, eating out at the great restaurants in Andersonville. Now we are a mom and pop when we opened the coffee studio. Uh, we didn't have any children, but now we have an eight-year-old son. And we're just so entwined and enmeshed in this community that uh, I can't imagine anything anything different. Also, the um, I'd say uh, any new shop that opens today is probably going to have some kind of design edge to it or try to look like it does and there's a uh um but we're the ogs it's true <laughs> you know that's what i mean like we were doing that 10 years you know 11 years ago and i think that for me that's kind of that one line in there about you know um or it's not your traditional idea of what old school might mean but when when it comes to coffee shops um it is becoming kind of an old school idea but we were one of the originals yeah i've been in there quite frequently with with first timers who are amazed that the space was designed, you know, 11 years now and, and how timeless it is and how, um, yeah, how it looks like it could, it could have been uh, built yesterday. So, well, as designers, we take that as a compliment yeah, and, and as a sign you. of good design, you know, is, is timeless and elegant and, and uh, thank you. I wonder if over time you've been approached to expand and to open other locations and knowing that you're the OGs, you know, <laughs> that people would want to see that elsewhere and that that's such a common impulse if you're doing well, you know, with a business that you need more of those businesses. And it reminds me of the business Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, which, um, you know, is really well known and, and famous nationally, but people have always went to them and say, you know, expand throughout the country, have more locations. And they said no like our growth is going to only be in Ann Arbor and we are only going to create more jobs and you know have more models only here within this you know whatever mile radius they were in so I'm just wondering if that's happened for you kind of what your your growth perspective has been and how um, how that has been you know maybe an intentional decision over the years to do what you do and do it so well I think that's really a great question I'd say it's changed for us over time, but there are certain things that have held true. When we first were planning for the coffee studio, I think we might have had grand dreams of world domination. You know, our ideas were so exciting that we were going to take over everywhere, or at least maybe three or four locations. <laughs> um, but on a personal note, you know, it takes more than blood, sweat, and tears to open a business like the coffee studio. And it was a huge investment, and it cost us. Um, not just uh, putting, you know, our house on the line, but um, the amount of stress and worry of opening the first shop. And then the first few years are just very, very stressful. They're wonderful, too, in terms of the feedback that we were getting from real people. But on a personal note, it's just very, very demanding. And so the idea of 
opening more and more and more and going through that over and over again, frankly, was a little bit daunting. But that alone, I think, wouldn't necessarily have stopped us. You're right that we have been approached um, over the years by people interested in um, helping us expand the concept. But I think that one of the things that has grounded us is that we both have a good amount of experience in sustainability issues um, from a design perspective originally. And, And I remember really thinking about sustainability in terms of what is enough and and that is a really interesting issue you know and and reading books like you know small is beautiful and and thinking about just growing for growth's sake was never our goal and so we've always thought about our day-to-day life and our lifestyle sort of from a design perspective and trying to figure out what our what is now called work-life balance would be and we love having our businesses but we also don't want to spend all of our time and our thoughts and our energy on our businesses either and having our family and having our own interests and developing our own skills and continuing to grow has been really important to us too and so over time we've just tried to keep the coffee studio at a what we would consider a sustainable size and and expanding more might yield more money but it's not really going to improve our quality of life we've got a pretty good thing going on here we love our neighborhood we love our community we love our store our customers our staff and giving that up in order to try and open elsewhere has never been a priority for us it's also a little um so you know we were debt finance aren't we did all our own financing um but uh the uh it's a bit of a mystery too how to like how do you partner with other people and if you don't want to do that again how do you convince someone to like give you their money so that you can do this thing and kind of grow um and uh and with it comes all these trade-offs like lee said to your lifestyle and stuff so it's kind of this um it's an unknown, like there's what you know how to do. There's what you've learned and what you know how to do. But then like you're, and I feel like you have to ask yourself at some point, like, am I happy with this? Do I like my day-to-day life? You know, it seems pretty good. And then like, you know, introducing a huge unknown that could kind of risk what you have going can be, it's it's scary in its own way. So it's like, um, and I think that's something that kind of like experience sort of teaches you. I don't think um, that would have been as well understood in the beginning when we were thinking about this as it is now you know. Thank you for sharing that. It's really inspirational. I know it's going to be for our listeners. And I think it's it applies to so many industries, but especially going out on a limb and being an entrepreneur. And you did celebrate your 10 year anniversary last year. What was hitting that milestone like? And maybe you can speak to some of your favorite moments over the past year. Well, I think the first feeling was like, that can't be right. <laughs> it doesn't really seem possible that it's 10 years. And I think that it's so surprising because I still feel like we're a scrappy startup. There's never been like one day where it was like, oh, okay, now we're like an established institution in the neighborhood. Um, every day yields new challenges. Um, and so it's not really like the coffee studio has been there for 10 years. It's like, it's this constantly evolving organism. And so 
I guess it is kind of like a kid, but it's not the same as it was. So it's it's sort of like watching this external thing change over the years by who's who's working at the coffee studio and who are the people coming into the coffee studio and also like what are we offering and what's changed over time you know we've changed the things that we offered we've we've added um you know flatbreads which we didn't have originally and some some more food options we've added um craft beers and wines and now we have our um craft coffee and tea cocktails. We actually make our own ice creams at the coffee studio and offer um, coffee shop inspired flavors and ice cream sandwiches. We do iced tea popsicles. So over the time, over the years, we've just kept evolving and adding and changing. So it's not really 10 years of the same thing. It's just, it's just um, this continuing changing thing. I think one of the, uh, a milestone as a business owner that like, you know, you're like, okay, this starts to feel different or real is like when you've paid off your business loan, yeah. you're like, you know, people have that, you know, surviving five years as a business is like a huge milestone and it, totally, it truly is. And, um, uh, and you know, just when you think you got a, a good thing going on, then it's just almost like other people start to notice. And then, you know, competition starts kind of like coming in, but, uh, for uh, for a while there that in particular in my mind when that loan was paid off was kind of a huge kind of like okay this is good in terms of what are things that stand out to us i think the people is probably the biggest thing i mean we've over 10 almost 11 years now had so many amazing people as a part of the coffee studio um you know people that we've we've years later traveled around the country to go to their weddings and people are having babies and and they're growing in their careers and they're doing all kinds of amazing things and that's a connection to a community that i hadn't really anticipated before we opened the coffee studio and then the same thing with customers um it's pretty amazing that people use the coffee studio like it's their studio and we love seeing all the different kinds of creative people and what they generate. You know, we've been to customers, you know, tap dancing shows and and readings at Women and Children First and, you know, gone to plays. They are, are amazing. And so I think the relationships that we've made with both staff and, and customers and to the community is something that uh, I didn't really quite anticipate, but it makes my day-to-day life so enriching um even when i just you know go shopping in the neighborhood i'm seeing people and i don't even know where i know people from because it's usually from the coffee studio but um you know we we bike all over we walk all over this neighborhood and we just feel connected to so many people and that's that's pretty amazing for us yeah i go um i go there every morning at 6 30 just to have a drink myself and seeing the regulars and um, I think for me that it's kind of a totally, so I work, I work from home also. I still do design work. And, um, so like you're kind of alone a lot. And when you're, you know, outside of like, you know, the occasional client meeting, um, my interaction with people really comes from the shop and seeing kind of the regulars there on a day-to-day basis, um, the friend and the friendships that you form. Um, this is, this is kind of like, you know, one of those, um, qualitative benefits that don't even make it out, don't make it onto a business plan, but add a huge amount of value to your life. You know, it's pretty special. Do they charge you for your coffee in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> we pay for it one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> 
One of the other things I think over the years that um, has definitely felt really great has been the really the outside recognition also. So we're not just popular with people in the neighborhood, but we've, I think, been known as a destination for coffee geeks and people who really love great coffee to visit when they come to Chicago. And so that's kind of nice to know that we're not just serving the local neighborhood, but also people from out of town and across the country or even other countries who have been told to check out the coffee studio when they come here. The other side of that is sort of the press recognition, which isn't something that I really ever thought about when we were opening the coffee studio, we were just so focused on what's going to happen tomorrow and the day after that. But um, even from the start, I mentioned the Time Out Eat Out Award that we won. But, you know, it feels pretty good to show my mom a Bon Appetit magazine that says that we were named one of the top 10 boutique coffee shops in the country. Um, And it makes her a proud mom, too. Um, So that kind of um, recognition from like Bon Appetit, from Imbibe magazine, um, you know, even recently, Uh, Food and Wine magazine had a piece on Chef Ileana Regan, and she happened to mention that the coffee studio was um, a place that she loves to go. And so those kinds of things, frankly, feel pretty good, too. As creatives and design experts and business owners um, and excellers at a wonderful work-life balance, the list just goes on. (laughs) Um, I'm curious what you would say, what one thing you would maybe pass along to younger people who are thinking, um, you know, I want to go into a career where I can be creative and kind of follow my passion, uh, or what you would maybe say to somebody who feels kind of stuck right now in their day job, per se. What, What kind of keeps you inspired, or what's the one thing you would pass on? I'd say um, passion, like uh, creating a career out of like your passion. Sometimes I think it can be dangerous advice. Um, And so I would say along with that, like someone needs to also learn how to be very frugal, maybe. And basically just acknowledge that there's uh, um, doing something like that carries a financial risk. And how am I going to mitigate that risk? You know, it might mean living with, you know, roommates for longer than you would like, or um, uh, working for a period and saving as much as you can while you're slowly working on a plan, you know, but like, it's a kind of, um, I think the tension between kind of financial obligations and things that you're really interested in doing can kind of um, confuse people. And I think you kind of have to be conscious of both those things and um, kind of start to address them, you know, in a a healthy way. I think going through the process of opening our own business made us very focused on understanding the financial picture and not just the creative and exciting picture so over the years we've we've helped quite a few people who have come to us um, asking for advice to really think through the the math frankly on whether or not this is just a an exciting idea Um, and something that might make you happy to do, or if it's something that's actually going to be able to pay all of its bills and still leave money over for you as an actual, like, income. And so, you know, understanding the math 
is is a big deal. And both on a personal level, frankly, and on a business level, one of the things that um, that we've tried to do is when we have people um, on our staff that are interested is is to help them figure out how to budget better. You know, we've just always been, I think, somewhat frugal, like Miguel said, and we've wanted to um, always, you know, be conservative and make sure you're saving and make sure you can pay your bills um, on a personal level. And so we're always um, thinking about it from a from a math perspective and being somewhat conservative in that in that extent. Um, on the other hand, opening a business like the coffee studio is a huge investment and we took a huge risk and I almost can't put myself in the mental position that we were in back there <laughs> where I would make that choice again. Um, but I'm certainly glad that we did. How do you both take your coffee? Black. Black. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what other way is there? I mean, <laughs> um, no, I mean, no. we're constantly <laughs> tasting um, things, you know, at the coffee studio. One of the things that we're really proud of, actually, is that we um, we've developed our own recipes. We make our own sauces and our syrups there. So when I mentioned before that we're we've tried not to be too dogmatic, you know, we don't we're not the kind of place where you can only get your drink one way and it's the way we say um and it's at this teeny tiny size um we understand that people come from all kinds of uh coffee backgrounds and we want to make drinks that are approachable for them so we do make sauces and syrups and we do make some yummy drinks that are a little bit on the sweeter side but we've always we just decided that if we're going to do that we're going to make our own caramel sauce from scratch we're going to make our own chocolate sauce from scratch and you know, we always wanted to have things that have what I kind of think of as integrity, right? And not just buy a product off the shelf that you can get anywhere else or that has all kinds of, you know, ingredients that you don't really know what they are. So from the beginning, we just focused on having really high integrity in what we serve. And so I don't denigrate anybody who wants to have cream or a little bit of sugar in their coffee or they want a latte that's a little bit sweetened. Um, it's kind of a joke, right? That like, you know, people who are serious about coffee only drink black coffee, but that's not really true. A lot of people have grown up drinking not very good coffee. And so it's not surprising that they might want to put milk in it or a little bit of sugar to take off the edge of, of what might be a bitter flavor or whatever. So we want to meet people where they are and we're going to offer a really amazing, you know, cortado. That's a very strong, unsweetened drink. Um, but we're also going to offer, you know, a peppermint hot chocolate if it's Christmas time um, or a caramel latte or, or something that's going to be really delicious too. We're just going to make sure that it's awesome. I do want to say um, that uh, someone who may consider themselves a person who like, oh, I don't drink black coffee. I just, I can't, I have to have my cream and sugar. Um, likely said, it's because, you know, maybe your exposure to what you've had, that's kind of like, that's, those are the things that you add to make it palatable. Um, but when you come to a shop like ours, and if you're not sure, maybe just ask for a little sample and a little cup and let it cool. Let the temperature go down and then take a sip. You might be very surprised at what you end up tasting. Like you might be a black coffee drinker after all. Awesome. Well, we always end the podcast with this question for everybody. So if you could both answer, um, we want to know if you could trade places with another Andersonville business for one day, who would you choose and why? <laughs> I'll go first on that one. Um, a lot of things come to mind. Um, at first, I was thinking about Gethsemane just to be surrounded by plants all day. Sounds kind of great. But I actually think I might pick Norcross and Scott because not only do they curate amazingly beautiful like objects, um, 
but I love designing spaces and thinking about the way that people use spaces and so the fact that they do like you know interior design services that's like totally my jam (laughs) (laughs) um i know that every business like it's a ton of work it's not all roses but um doing uh i'm gonna say little bad wolf and i know you know running a cocktail bar in a restaurant's hard work um, but I think, uh, doing the music at the coffee studio and like wanting to able, you know, wanting to be in an environment where I could really turn the music up and it being totally okay and kind of playing, um, um, things that might not be appropriate at the shop, but that I'd still really like to hear. I think that environment plus a couple of the great food and, you know, awesome drinks and coming up with, um, um, new options for people in this kind of, uh, edgy environment seems, uh, like it'd be a lot of fun. What song would you for sure have on your playlist over there. Oh, geez. Um, you put me on the spot. <laughs> we can edit out your long Well, you know, there was something in, in particular. Um, I think, uh, and I ended up putting it onto the shop playlist was um, Led Zeppelin ramble on. Like, I was just having a pint with Lee. We were on a date, you know, or just like our little regular Thursday date. We'll get, we'll, we go there for a lunch date. And... Um, and there was just, it just kind of felt really good. And I was like, yeah, like I like, it just, I don't know that the music matched how I was feeling. And I really liked that. And I ended up putting it on at the shop and adding it to some playlist. And you know what? It's okay to do that every once in a while. And people like having a song that they recognize. I try to pick a lot of things that they might not um, really be familiar with, but, but that invoke um, the muse, you know, for all the creatives and the people that are working there, you know, music that you can work to. But, you know, occasionally you want to tap your foot and kind of just like rock out a little bit. So do you rotate the music that gets played on a daily basis usually? Yeah. Okay. That's another thing uh, you don't really expect. But uh, Yeah, because I used to work retail and that would be the killer, right? Like especially during the holidays where it would be the same same tracks and be like, guess it's four o'clock again. Right, right. And it affects, you know, your your mental state and that affects customer service. It's not good for anybody. So you really have to keep uh, attention on that. Well, thank you so much, Liam Miguel, for being here. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about The Coffee Studio, please visit thecoffeestudio.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call 872-208-5877 or stop by the store for details.